Howdy. Welcome to a West Texas edition of Tales from the Pits. This is Brian. And Andrew. And we're here today at Evie Mays out in Wolferth, Texas. Yeah, we had a really fun opportunity today to talk with Emma Mendoza, one of the pit masters here at Evie Mays Barbecue, as well as... She was making... Hold on, I got to stop you right there. She was making some absolutely amazing ribs. Yes, they, they are... We're not going to put a number on it, but one of our absolute favorite ribs that we've had in Texas in a very, very long time. It was stellar cooking. Um, also got an opportunity to talk with Arnis and Mallory Robbins, owners and operators of Evie Mays Barbecue. Um, really just, big things happening there. Yeah, um, I mean, just know. so much growth that's happened in the, the five years now that they've been in the brick and mortar. You know, Previous to that, they were in the trailer for one year and and have exciting news that you hopefully have heard by now and they are on the precipice of opening their second location uh, inside of united supermarkets in southwestern lubbock uh, it's at 114th street and slide road and should be opening pretty pretty quickly here um pretty interesting what they're doing in that location and you'll hear that in the episode about you know the unique setup that arnis is kind of uh demanded and, and gotten it's it's a really cool thing that they've done yeah, and you'll be able to get uh, the same quality barbecue uh, cooked on site even at that location. So it's going to be a great option. Seven days a week lunch and dinner. Yeah, great option for locals. Or if you're passing through and, you know, they're sold out at the at the standard restaurant, you need to grab a bite. Uh, it's going to be a great option for Lubbock area folks. Yeah, I mean, congratulations to Arnis and Mallory and to the whole Evie Mays crew. You know, those that we did get to talk to on this episode and those we didn't, you know, Joe, Nathan, the whole crew there that, you know, the, the bakery team that does such an amazing job. It's, they've had a very long tenured crew that's been with them a long time. And it's, uh, it's cool to, to go back and see all these years later, the same faces that are still, you know, putting out that great barbecue out there in Wolferth. All right. So sit right back and hear a Tales from the Pit. Barbecue's our passion. And that's just what you'll get where the Ken Burns is a barbecue where Tales from the Pits. So we are here with Emma Mendoza from Evie Mays Barbecue. Emma, tell us a little bit about your cooking career here. Did you have any prior experience prior to working here, or how did you get started in this barbecue world? Um, I had actually started here by accident. <laughs> um, my sister is the GM here, and she called me on a Saturday because their dishwasher walked out, and they just needed some extra hands for the day. So I came in. Arnest told me I could never leave, and I'm still here. <laughs> How long um, ago was this? A little over three years ago. Okay. So I guess it worked. Um, I was in the dish pit for maybe a month or two, and then one of the pit masters graduated, and I asked if they'd teach me, and I've been out here ever since. What was what was that like going through? What was your first meats that you were allowed to cook, and kind of how did you learn um, through the mentoring of Arnis and team? Um, ribs were the first thing I learned how to cook. Um, I had to kind of master that, get the fire management down, um, figure out how I could make that perfect um, consistently. And then after that, I, I slowly started to learn from the other pitmasters, um, like sausage, and then they just kind of let me stick my hand in a few other things until I learned how to cook everything and learned every shift. And so it was about a little over a year, and then I kind of knew how to do everything. So barbecue experience-wise, had you cooked much barbecue or any barbecue prior to coming here? Like even recreational at home? Or? No. I have a grill at home, but it kind of just is to look like a grill. Like <laughs> I don't 
use it very often. Um, I've pretty much cooked my whole life, but this is the first barbecue experience I've had. Gotcha. And, and talk about going from, from zero barbecue experience to the level of volume that you guys do here. You know, they say it's easy to scale up, but you didn't scale. You went right into the fire with yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, that was kind of the fun thing, too, with Arnis. He watched me for a couple days, and then he threw me right in and was like, well, we'll see how you do. I was like, okay, this is fine. Um, but, I mean, the the scale is insane, but it's it's always been this way since I've been here. So, to me, it's, it's only crazy whenever I go to other places and see how small they compare. Um, you know, because we've got five huge smokers out here, and then I'm like, oh, you have one. That's nice. I'm like, I have to walk around way too much out here. I was going to say, what is is that like managing all of these fires at the same time? I mean, everyone needs a little different amount of attention. So is it just constantly rotating between all of them? Yes. Um, The thousand gallons we have, they tend to run a little bit more smoothly, so they don't need as much maintenance. Um, But some days, whenever it's windy, it's like you never have a chance to sit down. You're constantly flipping logs or adding more or trying to you know keep the backdraft from uh causing too many hot spots and it's it's definitely a lot i think a lot of people don't understand how big fire management is until they come up here with me and they see me just constantly going back and forth and then they're you know they're like oh this is you actually have to do stuff the whole time. Oh, and it's and it's different temperatures, different meats cooking at different temperatures at different times. And so, yeah, there's there's a lot of work that goes into making sure that not only are you managing the fire, but you're managing when you can increase temp on this or when you yes. need to, to pull back on that. And West Texas is its own beast when it comes to wind. Absolutely. That, that a lot, lot of people in the barbecue industry don't have to deal with nearly yeah. to the level that, that you guys do. Yeah, that and the heat up here, like, it's so dry compared to a lot of places. You go to anywhere in the valley and, like, they probably, like, their bark is going to be totally different. It can rain here for two days and we can see a crazy difference um, just in the color and in the the cooking process. So That's interesting. I mean, we're, we're Houston-based, so we deal with nothing but humidity all the time. So it, it is, it's a completely different set of outdoor circumstances that you can't control, but you have to try to, to plan for. And kind of when it when it's more humid, when it's less humid, what what are you having to adjust? Um, generally, when it's more humid, we don't have to deal with the temperature changes as much. It kind of helps keep everything steady, um, and it just it gives the bark a color that putting water pans in the smokers just doesn't do. Because um, we fill water pans every day, and like they'll by the end of the day all that water's gone so we'll refill it which is fine but most of the time we'll fill it first thing in the morning and with the added humidity we don't have to do that at all it make does it make for not an easier cook but a more consistent cook yes yeah and it's it's one of the things like i said houston is a little fortunate in that in that sense where we don't have to deal with you know the the dry air as much but we do have to deal with different things like heat fluctuation and, right. and, and things like that i mean houston pitmasters have to deal with the outside heat influencing the pit so much what's what's your favorite thing to cook here what what do you spend your your most of your time dedicated to here um mostly the ribs still i think they'll always be kind of my first love when it comes to barbecue um I don't eat them that often anymore because I had to forever, you know, to make sure that I was doing it right. But um, it's just there's, you know, they're it's the same thing every day, but they're always different. 
Like every day is different. I, I have an idea in my head of what the cook time is and how long I'm going to leave them unwrapped, how long they're going to be wrapped, but it's different every single day. So it, it hasn't gotten boring for me yet. Yeah, and that's, that's the thing about barbecue versus almost any other type of cooking is, yeah, a steak's going to be a steak in a kitchen every single day. But like you said, you, you've been cooking ribs for three years straight, and there might be a day where it goes 30 minutes longer on rat because you're trying to get that bark and that color right and all of that. So right. I guess it does keep it from getting a little more mundane than it would otherwise. And with this much experience, is it is it a look and a feel more than anything else? It's, it, yes. it's kind of a sensory thing. Yeah. Um, whenever I first started, I was a little... Um, a little crazy about temping everything just because you know it's it's a new kind of cooking new style of cooking for me um, but now once I make sure everything is food safe it is all by the look and the feel if I feel like it needs more smoke I'll leave it on longer if you know if I feel like they're just not tender enough I'll leave it wrapped longer there's been times that I've had you know a handful of half chickens sitting on the smoker for an hour and a half longer than the rest just because I didn't feel like they had loosened up enough and they just weren't hitting the right temperature for me. So what what would you say is like once one memorable piece of advice or mentorship you got what either from Arnis or it could be from anyone else in the pit room that really kind of helped flick a switch for you in terms of your your progression and your learning how to cook barbecue that is. Well, I think in any kind of cooking, you really have to love what you do. Um, I love cooking anything, but, you know, being able to share this experience with so many other people just because they took a bite of our food, like that's a whole new level of personal um, experiences for me. Because most other places I worked, you send out a burger, you know, they like it or they don't. It didn't really matter. Um, But here it's not just cooking barbecue like it's cooking something that these people are going to talk about forever it's it's something that they're going to remember you know that they're going to tell their kids about and it's just fun to be a part of that and and just to uh to to give you a little accolade around that uh, we were in line yesterday with a gentleman from Provo Utah first time he's ever had Texas barbecue of any kind and he's had Kansas City he's had some other types and uh, he said the the ribs were the best he's ever had in his life so congratulations on that too. I appreciate and, that. and they were delicious. Yeah, yeah, and yeah the, the barbecue here is phenomenal. It's been phenomenal for, for years and you've been, you know, clearly a great addition to the team. You know, we'll ask you a couple more questions and let you get back to work because I know you've got fires to tend to and things to do. Um, have you gotten to eat much Texas barbecue either around the Lubbock area or elsewhere? Um, I've eaten quite a few different places in Lubbock. Um, I went to Smoked Fest before the whole pandemic and I got to try a lot of places there and meet a whole lot of people that I had heard about but had no idea who they were um just previous to that I met Daniel Vaughn for the first time I had no idea who the guy was um (laughs) but he was really important so you know um everybody else was freaking out about it but you know my concern at that time was just my job here and how I was doing um but the more I've met other people um Ashley and Isaac from Pit Forks, like they're amazing people, you know, they, yeah, we got to hang out with them last night. Just yeah, really, they, really awesome people. They genuinely care about what they do. You know, I've gone to hang out with them a few times, but it's, it's cool to, you know, talk to other people and meet other people that do the same things and have the same struggles. And is, is there a barbecue place you haven't been to that you'd like to get to someday? Um, I mean, I'd like to go to snows. I haven't been there yet. Um, but I've, I really want to go to Ragel's. Um, 
I really want to try their pastrami because it looks really good. It is. <laughs> I follow them on Instagram. I've met Russell a couple times, right. but but yeah, I've never made it down there. Yeah, and, and, and pastrami is something we we don't see in this part of Texas much at all. No. Yeah. Well, then that kind of leads us to like the final question: is Is there anything you haven't gotten a chance to cook yet, barbecue-wise, that you would love to to get an opportunity to cook? Um, we've made a couple pastrami's here, and we do prime rib dinners and steak dinners, stuff like that. Um, I think a whole hog would be fun to do. Um, we've talked about yeah, it so a few we. times. <laughs> we've talked about it a few times, and Arnis is always building new crazy things for out here for us to, you know, cook something on. So. I think we'll we'll get there eventually, but I think that would just be something fun, and it'd be something different. You yeah, know? yeah, different cook process, different yeah. cook vessel, and all that. Well, Emma, thank you so much for taking the time. I know you've got a lot to do, so we won't take up any more of it. But we really appreciate it. I appreciate y'all. Thank you so much. Thank you. This time we are back at Evie Mays with Brian and Andrew, uh, Artist Robbins. Uh, my wife and I, Mallory, own Evie Mays Barbecue out in Wolforth, Texas. And Wolforth, Texas is close to Lubbock for those not familiar, although you should be familiar by now. It's been many years now that Evie Mays has been on the barbecue scene. Been a lot of changes and a lot of growth in the barbecue world in that time and a lot of changes and growth for this business as well. And we'll get into we'll get into all that. We won't get into too much of the backstory because there's a already a great episode that we did with Ro- with uh, Arnest Robbins, what, four years ago now, nearly. Yep. Um, and you should go back and take a listen to that to kind of find out how they got here. But we're going to start with kind of present day and then what's going on in the Evie Mays world right now. So uh, we just completed our fifth year here in this brick and mortar, um, which was built after uh, we operated in our trailer for one year. And then we were fortunate enough to move right down the road into a brand new space at that time. Um, and I mean, literally ever since, it's, it's been a complete whirlwind. It's it's unbelievable. Uh, the the local following, uh, the loyal customers, um, it's, it's something that every day I wake up and whenever I see a lion outside, I just can't believe that this is where we're at considering where we, where we came from. One of our favorite things about Evie Mays and about what you guys do is how different your barbecue tastes from the 50 other, 100 other great barbecue places across Texas. It's, it's refreshing, and I know a lot of it's, be- it's simply because you, you didn't have the experience of eating a ton of barbecue in Texas. That's right. When, when I got started, and if you've ever listened to, to any of our backstory, you know uh, this started as a backyard passion of mine in Tucson, Arizona uh, in about 2013, 2014. And um, I, I, just, I had zero outside influence. Uh, I had never you know, toured Texas barbecue before. Uh, I was just trying to make something that was, you know, good and suitable for us to eat at home. Um, so I can attribute kind of our original taste and style and our process to the fact that that was 100% developed in-house. Uh, it was years after we started in the trailer here uh, before we ever experienced some of the great, great Central Texas barbecue. So um, our, our final product may be similar by default. Um, but but I am very proud of the fact that it's it's all original and um, I didn't go understudy somebody and and not that there's anything wrong with that but but I'm very proud of the fact that what we have here is original and and I mean everything on the menu has that that little bit of inflection of of your style and, and Mallory's style especially with the desserts but even the barbecue pits reverse flow smokers were, were around before you existed it's not like you invented reverse flow but the, the current trend in Texas is is not reverse flow. Um, and, and again, you built that from scratch yourself. 
And, and the reverse flow style of cooker is something that whenever I went from an electric vertical cabinet smoker in my backyard uh, and wanted to get into wood fire cooking, I, I simply came across a cross-section diagram of a reverse flow smoker online. And the, the way it's built, if you're not familiar, um, you've got your firebox and your flue on the same side, and then there's a baffle plate that runs almost the entire length of the cook chamber. So all of that convected heat has to go all the way down to the opposite end of the firebox, come up and over the baffle plate and flow back through before it ever really uh, makes contact and goes through the cook chamber. Um, so to me, that looked like something that would be easier to manage than a direct offset cooker. Uh, you, you see pictures and videos of conventional offset smokers, and a lot of times that, that fire will be kissing the first rack of the, the cook chamber. And for somebody who had zero experience managing a cooking fire, that, that just seemed a lot more intimidating than having this baffle plate as you know a literal buffer uh, between the fire and, and what I was trying to cook. And so much of your experience building these was trial and error and just learning as, as you go and, and the pits that you're building now. You know, there are differences from the from the early pits that you've built. I mean, the concept and the design is the same, but there but there have definitely been adjustments you've made. I'm sure as you've built more more and more pits and learned more and more how they operate and and how to best manage that. Yeah, I think this morning you, you mentioned you know, you're on kind of Gen Five yeah, of right. that design. Yeah, yeah. Today uh, we we actually had to fire up a couple of pits that are going to be going into our second location uh, here locally, and. The, the two 1,000-gallon smokers that I've built for that location are so far superior to what we cook on daily here at the restaurant. Um, it, it's, it's kind of interesting to have them all running right now today uh, because it's, it's so apparent uh, how far they've come. Uh, you know, and, and it's not major changes. If, if you looked at both of them from you know, 20 yards away, you may not notice a whole lot of difference aside from general aesthetics and quality. I know my welding's gotten a little bit better over the last five or six years, but um, they, where they're at right now, the, the design, uh, the, the slight changes that we've made, um, I'm, I'm really happy with the way they cook. And, and that's from everything from a patio size cooker to a thousand gallon smoker. They just operate really, really well. So you brought up the second location for those not familiar and may not have seen the news. You know, Evie Mace is opening a second spot in Lubbock. Uh, tell us a little bit about that, that opportunity, how that came about, and where, where you are in the process for that. So at the, uh, I guess the spring of, of 2020, during the shutdown, uh, we partnered with United Grocery Stores here in Lubbock, which uh, was a regional grocer that, that was started here in Lubbock uh, since they've been bought by a larger uh, uh, grocery company. Um, but we had partnered with them, and we're selling chilled, smoked barbecue at retail uh, in some of their locations here in Lubbock. <clears throat> and uh, that, that really, really took off and went well. And I think it, it surprised us and them um, what we were able to do there. And they, uh, they came to us shortly after and said, hey, we're going to build a new store. And we, we think it would be really, really cool to have a barbecue concept in it. Is that something that you guys would like to be a part of? Um, you know, Mallory and I talked over the years. We, we get so many people in here that say, hey, you got a franchise. You got to do this. You got to come do this. You know, list, list any other city in, in the country. And um, it's just that's not where that's not what this is about. Uh, this concept wasn't um, a proof of to go out and replicate somewhere else. It, it was a this is a, a passion project for us. This is what we love doing. Um, the entire experience from the food quality to 
customers being able to go out and walk through the pit room. I mean, that, that's what it's about. And we did not want to mass produce that or attempt to mass produce, produce that. But this opportunity, um, it, it's really different in that, that we have 100% creative control. We operate the space. Um, we basically told them what we needed, and they said, okay, that's, that's what you'll get. Uh, so we'll be cooking on site uh, in, in these 1,000-gallon wood-fired smokers. Um, and our, our ultimate goal is to produce the exact same product uh, with, you know, obviously a slightly different overall experience because it is in a grocery store. But I, I think it's a, a really good hybrid of the two. I think it's a, a convenience paired with extremely high quality. And, and that obsession with the experience from end to end, I mean, that, that's what the best barbecue joints share in common. Uh, and, and just that fanaticism about making sure that they're going to get a similar or better experience no matter where they go. Well, and I think those top quality places that have managed to expand, whether that's in different locations or or different concepts, you know, it's it's that commitment to quality and commitment to trying to make it as replicated as you can. You know, and we've seen Truth be able to do that in Brenham and Houston. You know, Franklin Barbecue opened, well, you know, Laura, which is, you know, a slightly different concept, but still able to control the quality in that. So there are processes you can put in place. And obviously that sounds like that's what you and Mallory, who has just joined us. Hi, Mallory. Morning, guys. Morning. Distance wise, where is the restaurant or where is the second location in relation to where your brick and mortar is? It's actually not far. Well, um, you say that. It's, I think, six and a half, seven miles from, from the restaurant here. Yeah. Um, and that, that was one concern of ours. You know, Lubbock's not huge uh, by any means. Um, it, it is a large, larger, I don't want to say city, uh, but, you know, it, but you can get so everywhere so quickly. Uh, so that was, that was one concern, and that's a question that we get a lot. Do you not think that the second location is going to hurt what you have going on in Wolferth? And um, the fact that it's such a different concept, um, we're going to be open seven days a week for lunch and dinner. And I, I really don't think that a lot of our customers that come here to the restaurant for that experience, for the entire experience of being able to come in, have a couple of free beers, sit down, have barbecue, you know, drive out to Wolferth. Um, I, I don't think that that's the same customer base that we're going to have at our second location. I think we're going to have, you know, the soccer mom that, that needs to pick something up after she picks the kids up from school, take it home, have dinner. Um, I, one of the big things for us whenever we were discussing this concept uh, with United was that we wanted to cook on site. Uh, I wanted there to be smoke that, in the I find air. that very interesting because as close as they are, there's there's really no requirement to smoke on site. I mean, the meats have to be held anyway, so they could be transported, but mm -hmm. but you're going to that effort. Well, we like to do things the hardest way possible. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we could have easily trucked in barbecue, uh, but we didn't want to do that. Uh, we want people to get out of their car at the grocery store and be overwhelmed by this, you know, by the smell of barbecue. Um, it's it's something we we wanted to maintain the that concept as pure and true as possible and uh you know if it costs us time and money to to do it that way that's fine because this entire business was was never about the bottom line it's always been about how can we pursue our passion and not go broke was the uh, is there going to be a visual aspect of the pits are they going to be visible from outside or inside the store or Yes, so the, the pit room uh, that we have built there has three doors. It, it, so it, it's separate from the building uh, by about 10 feet. And um, 
the grocery store itself is on the south side of the pit room, and then the pit room has plexiglass overhead doors on the west, north, and east side. Uh, so it will be very visible to the customer. Uh, just adjacent to the pit room is where uh, vehicles will park for takeout as well as uh, grocery pickup. I mean, so that, that, I mean, that is that is great. You really are providing an actual barbecue experience there. I mean, because yeah, obviously we've all been to like the HEBs where you see the true Texas right. barbecue and stuff. And and yes, the, I mean, the barbecue there actually is pretty pretty decent. But you don't get that barbecue experience when you go there because of just how it's set up. Yep. Well, and another thing, going back to if we think that it would hurt our business or affect business here. I think it sort of opens up a lot of new folks to come try Evie Mays that never, maybe, you know, we've been open six years now and all, I run into people all the time that'll say, oh, they see my Evie Mays shirt. Hey, haven't been there. I hear the line I was is so say, yeah, long. They just hear the line and, and they and don't I'm understand. And I'm like, no, yeah. that's not, it, you can have food in 15 minutes, you know, it's, so I think this will kind of provide an opportunity to try Evie Mays barbecue in the safety of, well, I'm just here to pick up a gallon of milk. Oh, there's not a line. Maybe I'll get a pound of brisket to take home for dinner. I think it's going to really open it up to a lot a lot more customers that maybe have been worried to come out here or nervous to come stand in line or they aren't comfortable with that. So I think it'll be interesting to see. I mean, we don't know. We've never done this. We'll, we'll report back. Yeah, you've, but you've cooked a few briskets. Yeah. From, from a menu standpoint, is it going to be a same menu as here, a little smaller? Meats or what's the will be same basically um we are going to do a little bit more simplified dessert and side offerings starting out just so that we can get comfortable with this volume yeah, if there's going like to be a learning 10, curve 10 sides and right. six or eight desserts yeah we yeah. kind of go crazy here we <laughs> it, love food it'll be a very traditional you know pinto beans potato salad coleslaw cornbread sides at least in the beginning and and the reason for that is not because we want to dumb down the experience but simply we don't have the logistical space there that we do here um so once we get in, we, we want to go in and just really focus on doing things well. Uh, even if it's simplified, we can always add. Uh, it's very hard to take away once you start out. So um, we, we figure go in, do a good job on, on, you know, a simplified sides menu. And then if we get to the point where we feel like we can expand that, then we absolutely will. I mean, we're very excited about that option too. I mean, dinner. And so now we can come and eat four times when we come yeah, here. Yeah. <laughs> instead of, instead of the two times we're going to eat here on this trip, yeah. we can yeah we can yeah, eat four totally. times next time we come. Well, and I'll tell you the beauty of that is um, having that that retail outlet for product. Um, that that's why barbecue places they they close when they sell out. None of us want to serve leftover food. Uh, we don't want the first twenty customers tomorrow to get what was left over the day prior. Um, but I'm, I'm sure you guys know barbecue is uh, very resilient. Uh, it holds up well. It reheats very, very well. Uh, and the quality loss in that product to be uh, packaged for retail is, is nil. So um, it, it's kind of a safety net for us to feel like, hey, we can cook enough to have a full menu till 8 o'clock. And if, if it doesn't sell, then we'll pack it up and somebody can take that home as chilled barbecue next well, week. And, and if you're going to reheat barbecue, if you're going to take barbecue home, if it's more than maybe not even 30 minutes from when you buy it, it's better to buy it chilled because you're going to get a better experience at home reheating Absolutely. versus taking food that's hot, that gets cold, and then you reheat it. Yep. If you if you chill it properly, it, it's actually a wonderful product reheated. Yeah. Right. Well, 
you know, that, that's one of the things that we, we made the mistake of, well, we didn't really have an option. We ate at a really good place recently that's not open for dine-in. And so we had to take it to the next stop we went to and eat it there. And that's really the worst way to eat barbecue. Totally. Because they have no option but to slice it. We have no option but to wait to eat it. And it's just, it's not at its peak. And we knew it wouldn't be, but not every customer is going to understand that. Right. Yeah. Right. So as, as we, we come back to this location and, and the five years that you've been open, um, we know that, that you had a lot of ideas early on, like the bake shop, um, which was in a meat market. It, what have you learned over the time of what, what does and doesn't work? What have you kind of had to change with the business? You know, each, each one of those concepts specifically um, are great at different times. Uh, we, we did finish out, if you've ever been here to the restaurant, we've got a uh, kind of a storefront counter uh, on one side of the building that, that we we finished out to be a bakery. I have celiac disease, so all of our desserts are homemade and they're all gluten-free. And they're still delicious. And Absolutely delicious. We were hopeful that there would be a real strong market for that here, that we could have this storefront uh, and offer those, you know, like a true bakery would. Um, that what we found out is the demand's just not there, uh, you know, throughout the year. Uh, but you get into the holiday season, Thanksgiving, Christmas. I mean, we, w we utilize that space as kind of a multi-purpose pop-up. Um, and so uh, that, that served us well for baked goods through the holidays. Uh, we can do a pop-up meat market mm -hmm. for Memorial Day, Labor Day, 4th of July. And uh, it, it's kind of a cool space. It's, it's, it makes it easy to do special things like that. And not not making excuses for why those things don't work year round but if you've ever been to our location we're outside of town we don't have a ton of just drive-by traffic if you're gonna come out here it's because you're coming out here um so if you're at the grocery store as a mom if i'm at the grocery store and i need a pound of ground beef I'm going to get it at wherever I'm at. I'm not going to be like, oh, you know what? Let's drive 15 minutes out to Evie Mays because they've got great prime grade ground brisket because it's just not convenient. So there's not the convenience factor of coming out here for your meat market, coming out here for your bakery. Um, so we do take pre-orders for those things and customers know they can get, you know, some great ribeyes hand cut. And, and we have those folks that know they can do that. And we still do that in the back. But just to have a a dedicated space for those things year round. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense. Seasonal. We totally, you know, ramp those things up when we know there's a market for it. Well, and you know, we, we do have access to some product that the average consumer obviously doesn't. Uh, we are a certified Angus beef licensed restaurant, so we can source really, really good meats outside of the barbecue realm. Um, so, you know, any given week we may get two or three orders for ribeyes and those are going out the back door. Uh, to somebody that knows that we have that on hand and they'll give us a call and say, hey, we need 10 two-inch ribeyes. And, um, you know, it, it's something that if it's uh, pre-planned, like I said about the holidays, if it's a pre-planned event, it does really, really well. But uh, people aren't going to drive out here for an impulse purchase that they would otherwise get at the grocery store, uh, you know, on a Friday at 4 o'clock when they're like, oh, let's have steak tonight. One of the things that when we talk to a lot of business owners that have, you know, learned the lessons over the years of, of adaptability and changing things for your restaurant, you know, to make them work for your market. What are some of the things that kind of surprised you go to go to end or bad about what you've learned in the five years of, of operating a brick and mortar? And that's a question for both of you because you, you deal in different realms of your restaurant. So you might have completely different responses on it, man. The minute you think you have something figured out it, you know, you realize you don't, um, I'm trying to think some of the changes that we've made uh, that we've either reverted back to. One of them, uh, we took beer away for a little while. Uh, we were going to get a uh, beer and wine service license. 
and we began that process through the during the shutdown. Um, and what used to be pretty easy as far as going and getting uh, notarized signatures from different departments in you know in the city and county was now you have to mail this in with a return stamped envelope and maybe you'll get it next week and then you've got to send it off to this other office. Um, so and also people being out of the office because of coronavirus, not yep. working, not you know, it just all these processes that used to be so simple, all of a sudden were such a challenge. I, I just spoke to someone that's opening a new restaurant and, and they're really struggling because of that. The, the people working from home, it's taking forever to get back. Yeah. And so that, as you mentioned, that process just keeps growing. Yeah, everything from there. signatures to health inspections to everything yeah, is permits. just a I can't problem. imagine trying to have like built and opened the restaurant during the shutdown because we just found out last week that, uh, you know, we're, we're out here in Wolf Earth. Wolf Earth does not have a health department. Um, so we fall under the state jurisdiction. Well, the, the state health inspectors just started doing on-site inspections two weeks ago. They, you know, they've been, they haven't been allowed to go out for a year. Um, so, yeah, I can't imagine trying to do much uh, during the shutdown. But kind of back to that, we, we tried, we thought about getting a license. We put the sign in the window. And uh, for about three months, we weren't giving away beer. And one day you know things were coming back a little bit and it was a busy saturday and i told mallory i'm i'm gonna go get some beer like that that's we've never looked at the beer as, as a bribe to get people to come but it, we started that very very early on in the trailer and it was a hey thanks for coming to stand outside for an hour have a free beer um so we went and got beer and and we just stuck with it it's it's very inexpensive for us to be able to do that as a simple thank you to our customers um you know beef ribs um, everybody loves beef ribs, but they're, they're extremely expensive. We tried taking those off the menu uh, with the exception of Saturdays, and we got major kickback. Even though we may only sell five on a Wednesday, you know, people want them. They want them to be available. So um, uh, about two years ago, we looked at our sides menu and realized, I mean, we were, we were furs-like in that we had, you know, 14 or 15 side options. And uh, for our kitchen staff, and f from a, a cost standpoint, that was a lot of ingredients coming in. Um, and, and it slowed down the service process itself. It slowed down the ordering process. Um, you know, it's kind of like the Costco concept. Uh, don't, don't give people too many options. Right, right. Um, so we... We actually cut way back to like five or six sides, and now we're slowly, you know, because we'll make something or we'll take something off the menu and we'll, and, and we'll start thinking, man, that was really good. Like, that, that was a really good option. Let's bring it back. Um, so, you know, it, it's kind of back and forth, but it, it also kind of varies with season and, and what we're capable of and what we feel comfortable doing and doing well. Yeah, I think for us, we... I know I used to really be a planner and want to know exactly what we were doing and, you know, this many sides, this many desserts, this many briskets, this many pounds of sausage. And it's being a, a barbecue joint owner in this industry, you kind of have to throw your cares to the wind and just be like, okay, it's going to change weekly. It's going to change daily. What sells today may not sell tomorrow. And you just kind of have to decide what you're willing to compromise on do you cook less beef ribs because they're so expensive and they might not sell um i think he how he said as soon as you think you have it figured out something changes and so i think we've gotten pretty good at going with the flow even though it's not easy for me you kind of have to just well and, and we're we're thankful that we have the the ability to do that i mean we've made decisions uh 
18 months ago, pre-shutdown. Uh, this would have, would have been the fall of 2019. Um, we got together on a Wednesday and decided we were going to start opening on Sundays. And started opening on Sundays. And, and our thought process there was, you know, Saturday is our busiest day. Sunday should also be busy. And um, they just they didn't take off. And I think a lot of it was we've been around long enough and people are so kind of they, they've got our regular customers are in a habit of coming here, you know, for this event or this day of the week or whatever it is. And Sunday just wasn't on anybody's radar. It didn't matter how much we tried to promote that. It just never really caught. Uh, so whenever we reopened the dining room uh, post shutdown, uh, we just decided at that point we were not going to be open on Sundays. Yeah, it's a, I mean, and it is. It's something where if you've been around long enough, and we've seen it with restaurants that have tried to add dinner service and things like that. Yeah, your customer base is so used to, okay, I have to be here between these hours or these days, and they won't even think twice about trying to come for a day that you're trying to add on or a service you're trying to add on. But but realizing that and adapting to it is really important. One of the things that, that I've noticed coming here, you know, and my visits have been spaced out because I don't have excuses to come like Brian does where mm-hmm. he gets work to pay for his travel. <laughs> Shh, don't tell work <laughs> Yeah, hopefully <laughs> Ross doesn't listen to this. Yeah. <laughs> Is no, no matter what's changed in barbecue, you guys have your processes and have, have your niche in the market and it's completely uniquely yours and it doesn't change. And, that, and it's very tempting in today's barbecue world to try to adapt to what's popular right now and what's changing. Mm-hmm. Have, has there been anything that you've been tempted to try to put on a menu you know, that, that you just haven't? Well, so what's really cool for us is, um, yeah, we, we do that. And we're all, we're all in this because we're, we're artisans and, and we enjoy cooking. And barbecue just happened to be the medium that we, we landed on. But um, we do prime rib dinners occasionally. Um, we just started doing a smoked burger day on Thursdays. And again, that's not something that we could do four days a week and, and expect people to come out and get excited about. But we, we started doing that three weeks ago and it was unbelievable the amount of people that came out just to have a burger. Um, so I feel like we're fortunate to be in the market that we're in where we can stick to the basics and not have to try to do something to get people's attention to stay relevant we, so I, I actually read something that somebody in the industry posted the other day and it sort of irritated me because they were they said something about you know the next top 50 coming up and te- with texas monthly and you know long gone are the days of traditional texas barbecue you've got to do this and this and this to stay relevant and i kind of felt like i i don't feel that way and maybe it's because of where we're at and maybe it's because we're not chefs we love good food. We love cooking. We love serving people. And I feel like just because we're not doing pork belly burn-ins with super fancy things and garnishes and, you know. we're No burrito tacos. No, no, we're not. I mean, maybe we do that for special because we enjoy it kind of like the burger. Um, we're never going to try to change to fit and stay relevant. I don't think I ever will want to do that. Well, I feel but like. I, but I've got to. I've got to. Stop you. So for us, when we're talking about relevant, we're not talking about some of those really wild things. But for us, when we say that, we're talking about a full menu experience. Mm-hmm. Right? So the traditional Texas meat markets, you know, they started with just a hunk of cheese and some crackers. Right. And, and then they, you know, potato salad and, and beans. 
and there's still places that are doing those super small menus, four mm-hmm. proteins, two to three sides max. That's not what you guys are doing. You're doing a full menu experience. And so to us, I mean, that is relevant. Um, that's, that, that is different oh, than people that are doing yeah. <laughs> but you're not, But you're not yeah. doing it to keep up with the Joneses. Right. You're doing it right. that's the And I'm that's not knocking the folks that want to do that. And I think if you're, if you're in Houston, Austin, Dallas, San Antonio, and you've got a million people out your front door and you're able to be creative and you know you have the customers to like do some different things great but if you're in that market you also are in a position where you have to try to do something to 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 win some of the market share i mean we're here we're here we've got um pit forks uh we've got hill uh we've got chopped and sliced tom and bingos uh bit nail bingham's i mean there there's i don't know eight or ten barbecue joints in lubbock um but there's still plenty of plenty of uh market share to go around and and none of us i don't think any of those guys are doing uh anything extremely fusion um you know rahino and pitforks there there is kind of a mexican flair there um but but that's who they are that's, that's what they, they do are. right yep. uh, they're not doing it to try to create this crazy interest or yep. to do something style. different right. that's just that's right. how they did barbecue growing up and that's that's honestly where we lose interest when it when it does seem like you're just doing it because you're trying because you saw it on instagram or right. because you you think that's the popular thing this year in barbecue Arnest, we know you've got work to do uh, we've got a couple of goofy questions we started asking in season two of the show and so we'll we'll get you out on a couple of those and then we'll, we'll let you handle business okay first one is if you could cook with anybody, barbecue world or not barbecue world, who would it be? Ooh. Oh, man. Um, you know what? I grew up watching the Food Network and Travel Channel. I am a huge Andrew Zimmern fan. I think it would be awesome to hang out with Andrew Zimmern and cook something. Any kind of particular Or Alton Brown. I, I was Arnest a huge, huge Alton Eats fan. Yeah. Um, yep. e- either one of them would be fantastic. Uh, anything in particular? I think I'd have a hard time wanting to do anything other than watch them, you know, especially Alton Brown. It seems like it'd be a little bit intimidating to do anything around him. <laughs> so of, of all the barbecue joints in Texas, you, you know, business owners don't get to get out on the weekends and go do tours. Um, what, what barbecue joint would you like to eat at that you've not eaten at yet? Ooh. And, and festivals don't count. We're talking about restaurant experience. Yeah. Actual experience. There are so many. Oh, gosh. Um, and because of where we live, we never, we see these folks at festivals and we don't ever get to actually go. Yeah, there, there are a ton. I I mean, we have really, really good friends in the industry that mm-hmm. we've never been to their restaurant. Uh, Ragels like the is Ragels. one. We are um, good friends with the Ragels. We have never been to their restaurant. Truth in Houston. We did, we did Brenham and that was fantastic. I'd, uh, I'd really like to go there. I know you asked for one, but I could, I could right. probably yeah. speak for five minutes. <laughs> I um, really, I really, really, that I have not been to, um, Helberg and um, even Guest Family. We need to get to Waco. We'll be there. Well, yeah, we'll be there. Cool. Tell them hi. <laughs> um, some of the new guys, Goldie's, uh, Hurtado, uh, even Dane. We'll you be know, there, there as well this just, trip. There's all these places. We we really haven't been You're anywhere. We've been really naming the next three days of our lives. Okay, yeah. well, cool. we'll, <laughs> we'll report back. Yeah, let us zoom in. Oh, please. we're going back because they're they're great to begin with. Yeah. We've literally yeah. been to like four barbecue joints that are, you know, the well known. We've eaten at Leroy and Lewis, who is my favorite 
place in the state besides Snows. And 2M. And, and 2M and Franklin. Is that the only favorites. places we've been? Uh, Franklin. Yeah, Franklin, um, Snows, 2M, Leroy and Lewis. Oh, we've done Lockhart. Well, right. But no, no I mean the majority. We haven't been anywhere but but the best. <laughs> Th- those are. But no, <laughs> we're going to hit a few. I'm those kidding. are a few. No, but no, we, yeah. there are so many places. And we keep saying once once our kids are a little bit older, Jack is he just turned five. I was about to say he's four. Uh, we're getting to that point. You know, he was born a week after we opened this restaurant. So uh, we, we really haven't been able to do a whole lot. And uh, whenever we got started, you know, we moved here. And um, I think I thought, yeah, we'll move to Lubbock. We'll start this trailer. We'll tour the state. We'll go on some barbecue runs. Man, we were so broke. We couldn't afford to not be open. I mean, we couldn't afford to just <laughs> immediately dive in and start getting to work. And then, it, you know, everything's just snowballed since then. But hopefully, uh, right after we get this second location open, <laughs> we can find some. And you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to make a shirt for Evie that says, "Hi, I'm Evie." Yeah. Um, because yeah. It and we also need to say how to say it. She with, yeah, yes. with bless her heart. When people say Evie, she cannot even deal with it. But she will not say anything. She would rather die than say, "Actually, you say Evie." She'll bring it up two days later while we're trying to get her to go to bed, and she can't sleep. She'll be, she'll the like, Miller ah. family's the same way. Like you know, they just don't want to correct people. They don't want to correct people. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the gentleman we were talking to in line yesterday said oh yeah i'm at uh, evie maria's and oh man it, we, we we did correct him we did eva marie it, it, i get it, it, i get it all the time are the, you eva i'm like well the, it's evie the cruets the who Kreitz. oh yeah. Kreitz. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. have we, you been to Kreitz? Cruise, ago, we did cruise. a whole episode cruise. on like mispronounced names i yeah. we listened to it yeah yeah, Rogels. Uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of really fun yeah. names in barbecue that, that make zero sense. <laughs> Basically, it's the whole episode. Oh, man. Right. Aaron <laughs> and Patrick, I feel bad for them. <laughs> yes, they're they're about to be the closest barbecue joint to my house. So oh, sweet. Oh, yeah. yeah they're doing they're, their they're new... They're opening 10 minutes from... Yeah, their new oh, location. Oh, fantastic. So it's it's going to be dangerous. Uh, Arnis, we'll let you get to work. We all right. Thank you guys so much for popping in. No, no we, thank we you. We appreciate it. Thank you. So, so Mallory, with, with the business, you know, we talked about kind of the... the the changes that you've had to do, some of the sides. Um, so speaking speaking to the sides, what's a side, there are two questions, two parts of this. What's a side that you've always wanted to put on the menu that you just don't think will go with, with the, the, the local folks? And what's one that you wish you didn't have to do, but everybody always asks for? But everybody asks for. Okay, so the second part of that question, what everybody asks for is our jalapeno corn, which we took off the menu. We do it for dinner services, but it was just one of those sides that a lot of ingredients, a lot of prep, and it just we just have so many sides, and that was one of the ones that didn't make the cut. But, man, people want it back so bad, and we, I, we honestly probably need to just bring it back. But I didn't feel like we needed it and green chili cheese grits. And so it had to be one of them. And grits are sort of one of the ones that have been around since our trailer days. And I couldn't part with grits. Um, a side that I want to do that I'm not sure would really take off is we make calabacitas usually in the fall when um, green chili is in season because we're from New Mexico. And squash. And we, we try to get squash from a local farmer here. Um, but I... I don't know. I just feel like it does. Maybe it doesn't go. It's a little, but it's some a traditional side that we grew up with in New Mexico. Um, but I love that. I would love to have it on the menu all the time. It's just the squash and onion and green chili and garlic, a little bit of tomato. Um, it's, it's one of those sides where you probably have to name it some like kitschy name because yeah, yeah. yeah. right. Because they'd be like calabacitas. Yeah. What is that? Um, so I don't know. That would be one that I want to add that I would do year round if it would catch on. 
and the corn we're probably gonna have to bring back. Yeah, we're we're very happy you kept the grits, and I'm sure the corn is delicious as well. But like we're, we are grits nerds. We like we love it I when love we find grits. good grits on a barbecue menu. Yes. And there there are a few doing them, but it's still not a super popular side in no. barbecue. Yeah, we, I know Micklewaite does, does their jalapeno yep. that are really really good. Um, yeah, Goldie's guess, does a really yeah, good version as well. Yeah, yeah. guess. Oh, cool. Yeah. See, I need to go and, to these and, places. And Guess uses a, a, a local mill, so it's it's actually like freshly milled. ground Of course gritted. they do. Yeah, yeah. and it's... <laughs> Reed it and his fancy food. Yeah. We're, we're eating three of those grit places on this trip. We are. Yeah, nice. we didn't get to Micklewaite, but we're getting to the other three on this nice. trip. Yeah. So, yeah, this is this has been a, a fun little run, and it's, uh, again, we, the whole run was built around, okay, we're staying in Lubbock for two days because we have to go to Abbey Mace twice. Oh, yeah. well, <laughs> y'all are sweet. I wish we had a prime rib dinner or something happening well, yeah, while so we, we were talking about Next that. Next time, <laughs> we'll, we'll coordinate schedule and get something planned. We'll yeah. have burgers. This ended Prime up being rib. like the week we had to do it because we were about to run out of vacation time at work because <laughs> we haven't I done understand. anything for a year and a half. Yeah. So we're like, okay, I'm doing it by this week. We're going by this week. Plus, it's not a thousand degrees in West Texas. Right. It's nice right now. Um, well, I'm glad that y'all are here. It feels so normal, you know, having folks on the road and, yeah, you know, it's, it's lines nice to get back for, to those. Yeah. yeah. And you guys Everybody we talked to. Ridiculously oh, yeah. Fast. yeah let's like, talk oh about God. this line. So. It, Prior to the last time I came here, we, we always talked a lot, and Corkscrew was probably the fastest service at the mm-hmm. business. And, and we time these things. <laughs> we go, now right now they're having to package everything and to go. Now that may be changing soon. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so by the time you listen to this, I'm sure it has. And that slows the process down a little bit because putting everything in containers and all of that. But it was about a minute per order. Mm-hmm. Um, the last time I was here, it was closer to 30 seconds. Yeah, so yeah. I typically tell folks in line it's about 30 seconds per customer. So if you count ahead, yeah, every two customers is a minute depending on what folks get, you know, you have the first timers that take a little longer to order, big bulk orders, but that's a good average. Um, yeah, I mean, we we try to move. It's phenomenal. I mean, we've been to places that are five to seven minutes. Per, yes, and, yes. And, and, you know, we do the math. If it's five minutes a customer and there's 60 minutes an hour, you know, there's, there's, you're not dealing with, you're dealing with 12 customers an hour. Right? Well, and our thing too here uh, kind of goes back to not having the population outside our door. I mean, we don't have a lot of just people passing by like, oh, I'm going to stop by there and eat. If people are coming out here to eat from 11 to 2 to 3, we need to move as many people as we can during those few hours. Um, and if it doesn't move fast enough, those folks will leave. Um, you know, this isn't a tourist place. It's, you know, they're just here for lunch. Yeah. So, yeah, we've always made it, uh, you know, really important just to move folks through without compromising the experience, without being right. rushed. Right. Well, we, I think your service setup really is conducive to that. And I'm honestly genuinely surprised that more people do not set up their line the way that you guys have set up. your. Well, line. I'll tell you what, we almost switched it because um, right now our meat cutters basically have to be right on because you pay before you get to the scale. And every time beef prices do their thing and go crazy, we're, we think, man, we should have it the other way. So we literally will get paid for every ounce that we serve. So, yeah, of course, if, we, if our meat cutter cuts your quarter pound plate and it's 0.23 or 0.22, they're going to put another little chunk on there and it's going to be over. So it always benefits the customer and hurts us. But, man, for speed and efficiency... It's, it's great. I mean, we literally, you know, you, you get your sides put on the plate. They move the tray along. And by the time you get to the meat counter, it's ready. It's ready for I mean, you. And yeah. so there's, it, it's, just, it's just fascinating when we look at some of the other business models where, like I said, you order, then you wait, 
and and it's five minutes. We've we've waited much longer than five minutes at places, but even five minutes per person. Right. Well, and, and even from a quality standpoint, the you know you want the meat to be the last thing that hits the tray before the customer. And that's gets it. why it started that way because we didn't want it to be meat cutter, weigh it, put it on the tray, move it down. By the time you get it, stop and get your pickles and onions, sit down. That brisket's already oxidized and not looking good and well there's a place i went to recently good place and they've got a a pretty sizable menu similar to to you guys but there's always a log jam at the sides and so your meat is sitting there just deteriorating while everyone ahead of you and you are trying to get your sides this and that and then and then you have to go to the register and you have to pay and by the time you get your pickles your drink whatever you sit down it's as much as five minutes you know where that yeah slice and it's just it's it's tough well that's why we do it the way we do it because i would rather it be as hot and perfect as it can be and 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 the plating doesn't suffer at all so you you guys are still plating really well you know everything looks good when when it's plated you're not brushed you're not just throwing stuff on a plate right. and saying get out of the line yeah, yeah. well yeah we don't want to come off that way it's like we're moving quick but you're fine no rush <laughs> no I, th- I think you guys do a really good job balancing it but well, we'll thanks we'll wrap up this portion with you just wanted to say thank you for producing yeah. what you produce for this long it's it's a treat to come here. Well, thanks. It's always nice having you guys. Um, we, we really appreciate it. We appreciate, you know, the attention and the, you know, coming all the way out to good old Wolford. <laughs> but but we always look so look so forward to it. And, it, and, it, and it's really a sign of a, of a restaurant's quality when we've eaten there a number of times and, and we're still kind of giddy. And then, you know, again, we're nerds about this, but like after we eat, we're just so giddy after we eat Aww. because it's, it's yeah, yeah. When we have 20 minute conversations in the car about the food we just <laughs> ate, it's, I mean, Oh, see, that's cool. It's a sign of how yeah. stupid we are, but it's no, also a sign of how good the food you like, is. You like good things. But, it, but it's, and it's, and it's just always been good consistency. Well, and, thanks. and again, it goes back to Arnis and you and, and how you built the restaurant and built the food without having the blueprint before you. And that, totally. and that's what we love about it. You know, there's there's plenty of great barbecue in Texas, and there's there's a certain set of ribs, and there's a certain set of brisket, and they're they're all delicious, but they're all very similar. Yeah, it's it's very true, and I think that's what I am most proud of out here. It's it's it it re- truly was so organic and just not in the plan and not what happened, and it just sort of and I, I obviously have to really credit our crew too. We have got some awesome folks that have been here for a very long time yeah. and it's, yeah. it's really cool. I, um, you know, they, they're family to us and they take care of us and take pride in this place and take pride in the processes that Arnis started. And, um, we're, we're super thankful. Yeah. And shout out to, to Nathan, shout out to Joe. Yeah. Emma. Emma. Yeah. You guys have had a, a really long time crew here that's been producing and it's cool. Like I said, to go this many years apart and see like the same faces, the same people. I mean, and it, it is, it's an environment that you foster and, and yeah, it's, we, we, we love them. They, they really break their backs for us. So it's, it's pretty cool. Well, congratulations on the upcoming second location. Thank you. You know, we're, yeah. we'll, we're excited to come out to that. And yes, if you guys are any Lubbock residents, Wolferth area residents, you know, more Evie Maze is coming, even more accessible to you, but, this restaurant is very accessible to you. Don't get scared by a line. Please don't, or a crazy parking lot. It's <laughs> yeah. just poorly designed. And, and, and you're still doing the the shortcut for sandwiches. Yes, yeah, we do so, the sandwich line. Yeah, so, so you the can pro get in tip: if you want, if you and that's a sliced brisket sandwich. Sliced, if you want. chopped. Yeah. I mean, we do sides now, which we didn't used to do. Um, you can also skip the line if you do a five pound minimum, which is cool because we have a lot of folks that you know just come in and they say, "Oh, I got to feed my family tonight," but there's a 20 minute wait in line, and we're like, "Well, come on, I'll get you over here and it in and out in five minutes." 
Well, there you go, guys. You got plenty of opportunities to get Evie Mays Barbecue. Even more opportunities coming. So congratulations on the success, Thank and you. we look forward to the next trip. Thanks, Thank guys. You.